Good evening. Time for us to begin. If you will, turn in your songbooks number 707 if you're using songbooks. Not, it's up on the screen. Uh, welcome to everyone. Um, Steve Wallace will have our reading and prayer at the appropriate time, and Ben or Dickie Parker will have our closing prayer. Um, let's stand while we sing this song. Verses 1, 2, and 4. To Christ be loyal and be Next song will be number 738. 738. We will glorify the King of Kings. Let's sing all four verses. <clears throat> Would you pray with me, please? Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to gather again together as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, uh, we're grateful for this time we have to, uh, to worship your great and awesome name. Lord, we give you praise, uh, all the praise that is due you uh, for your great love for us, for the gift of your Son, we thank you so much for that uh, sacrifice that, that gives us the forgiveness of sin and, 
the hope of eternal life. Lord, we pray that uh, the time we spend together here on the first day of the week will strengthen us as we go out into the world. Uh, this new week, we pray that uh, we would be shining lights in our community and that people would see, uh, see Christ living through us. Lord, we pray that uh, you would bless those folks that are on our prayer list uh, this week, those that uh, are, are unable to be with us. We pray uh, you would strengthen them, pray for blessings on them that may be able to come back and join us soon. Lord, again, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Pray that you would uh, go with us always. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading for this evening is from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse number 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. For our lesson, we'll sing number 778, Whosoever Meaneth Me. Let's stand for this song also. If you want to mark your books for a song of invitation, that's number 739. 739. think they're fun and I hope they are beneficial for you as well. Go ahead and raise it up for me, Connie. Um, 
right spot here. Take us all the way down to the bottom. So these are uh, things that we've done in the past, um, things our brothers have done in the past for the last hundred years or so. If you've never seen a sheet sermon, I've never seen one before the first time I preached. So welcome to the club, I guess. Uh, but this is something our, our brethren have been doing for hundreds of years before uh, there was PowerPoint, there were sheet sermons. And so I think that they are a unique uh, way to teach truth to uh, the, the sheet sermons uh, being timeless because they focus on a timeless book. Uh, the truths that they uh, exhibit in these sheet sermons are still applicable for us today. And so I thought, what better uh, time, what better topic would we be served by studying than what is that in your hands? In uh, the passage that uh, Dickie read for us tonight in Exodus chapter 4, Moses encounters a burning bush, right? We know the story, but maybe you've never stopped to focus on what he had in his hands. He has everything he needs right in his hands to be able to do the job that God's called him to do, right? God wants him to go free the Israelites, basically. But there's a couple of problems with, at least in Moses' mind, God's plan. He's going to get there, and the Israelites themselves even, the ones that he has been sent to save, they're not going to buy into his plan. They're not going to believe that God sent them. And so the very first uh, problem he encounters with this plan is the Israelites themselves. Uh, and really, honestly, they're going to be the biggest hazard, uh, the biggest hurdle to God's plan throughout the ages. Uh, they themselves struggle with obedience and submission, but we resemble that remark. So the very first thing that God, the very first hurdle that God's going to encounter uh, with buying this nation of Israel, bringing them to himself, is Moses's quandary here. What should I say and how should I convince them that you really have sent me? Well, what do you got in your hands? It's a staff. It's something that every shepherd would have carried, right? Moses has probably been carrying a staff for the last 40 years or so. In fact, when he leaves Egypt the first time, he's only 40 years old, right? When he returns to Egypt, he's 80 years old. That's just weeks after the moment that we encounter him in, in Exodus chapter 4 there at the burning bush. So he's been carrying this staff about 40 years, I would imagine. Maybe not this one, but a staff for about 40 years as he shepherds, something most shepherds do. Um, they carry this stick in an effort to train the, the cattle or the sheep or to correct them or whatever, to defend off. It's a weapon, but it's also a tool uh, of care as they move the, uh, the livestock back into line. So he's carrying this thing for a long time, and he hasn't realized the usefulness of it and his current task that God has given him in freeing the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. God tells him to throw it down on the grounds, and it becomes a snake, Right? He's going to utilize that when he gets to Egypt, uh, and his snake is going to eat the, the serpents that, uh, that the Egyptian magicians are able to conjure, however they did that. Um, God's power is on even more full display now because his snake has eaten theirs. What I want you to see is everything that you have, everything that you need to fulfill God's will for you is already in your hands. That's what Moses learned that day at the burning bush. He's already got everything he needs, right? So our next passage there is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You know it well. Seek first the kingdom of God and, yeah, right? So you seek first his kingdom and he'll provide whatever you need, right? You may not be rich. You may not have all the financial blessings you need. Christians starve to death all over the world every year. 
but you seek first his kingdom, he'll supply all the things that you need, all the spiritual blessings, the strength to endure what the circumstances that you're living in, he'll provide those things. But you got to seek his kingdom first, first in priority, first before anything else, first in, in nature, more than you pursue any other uh, activity, more than you pursue anything else in the world, you pursue his kingdom, right? So it's not just an order uh, of priority, it's an, in order of um, how, how often you do uh, this, this pursuit, what you're willing to sacrifice to pursue his kingdom. So now we turn to looking at things that we've got possession of because you can only change you, right? There's only, uh, you, you can't change the people around you. You can, you can affect what's in your control. So certainly we have our own souls. We have control of that, don't we? Um, we make decisions that affect our eternity. And so in Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus reminds us that what's your soul worth? What, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? If you were making a deal, what would you trade for your soul? Because anything you put on those scales to trade for your soul is not worth it. It's a bad deal, right? Because everything else will be burned up. Everything else will be lost. Everything else will be, Jesus reminds us, and again on the Sermon on the Mount, either eaten by moths or stolen, or if they last all that time, they're going to be burned up at the end of time. So what's your soul worth? That's something that, that's a decision we get to make, isn't it? It's, it's, it's our call. What are you willing to give up for your souls? We don't often think of it like that, though, do we? We, we make the, the small concessions, the small compromises, and eventually we wake up and find ourselves in a position that we would rather not be in, right? In a place where we might not recognize who we are and what we've done, right? But... He says, this decision is, it's your decision. You get to decide where your soul spends eternity. And so, how are you using your time here? It's a little bit of what we talked about this morning, isn't it? But how are you using your time? Are you using it well or are you wasting it? Something to think about, certainly... Our children's souls are, at least while they're young, in our possession, aren't they? Um, we are to curate um, their experience with God, their experience with scriptures, their experience with the church. Um, Proverbs 22, 6 reminds us that if we train up a child in the way that he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it, will he? Again, it's Proverbs. It's a general rule. Um, it's not always true, but Solomon says, generally, this is a true thing. If you train them up right, they might depart from the truth when in the middle, but when they are older, they'll see the truth here. They'll see the, the, the logic, the knowledge, the reason, the wisdom uh, of following Christ. So that's something we need to think about. That's something we need to focus on. And certainly in the New Testament, Ephesians 6 he talks about the parent-child relationship, doesn't he? Um, and and the, the, the necessity for us to train them to, to, to not be distracted by all the things that might distract us, right? Um, the, the sports activities, um, school, friends, all the things that are very easy for us to fall into says, you, you need to watch these traps, because that's what they are, they're traps, uh, things that attract your attention, that if you're not paying attention, you'll walk right off the, right off the cliff, right? So, certainly it says that these things are important, um, and it's something that we need to think about. It's in our control. Not everything is, right? Not everything is in your control. In fact, most things are not in your control. How you act, how you react, those things are in your control. And as your children grow up, they are under your control. But when they get grown, that no longer is the case, is it? And so we have the work ahead of us when they're small to make sure that we are imprinting correctly on them 
uh, God's ways, his righteousness, his call, his priorities, to make sure that they seek first his kingdom. Certainly others' souls would be not within our control, but something that we can affect, isn't it? He reminds us here in Mark, of Mark chapter 16, and you know it well, right? It's the Great Commission. Uh, go into all the world, and you teach them, and you baptize them, and you teach them again so that they know all the things that Jesus has commanded. That's our job, right? It's one of the things that we, we do. It's, it's the reason we're here. It's, it's one of the reasons the church was founded in Acts chapter 2, so that we might be, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, ambassadors of Jesus to a lost and dying world. It's something that we can control can't control everything, but there are certain things you can control, and so we should. You have control over whether you ask someone about their faith. You have control over how you ask it and who you ask it and when you ask it, and you have control over these things. Sometimes we allow fear to get in our way, don't we? Sometimes we allow judgment to get in our way or, or how people might perceive us. Uh, they might think we're weird or crazy. Or You go back through the first century, you're going to find the apostles doing this very thing, and people thought they were wild and crazy too. Guess what? It works. It's kind of amazing that when you work God's plan, you get his results, don't you? Souls are one of the things that are in our control, and they're certainly, to some extent, in our hands. And so what are you doing with them? What are you doing with with those souls that have, maybe we can think about it like this, that have been entrusted to your care. In Esther, uh, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, comes to her at a pivotal moment in history, right when someone needs to step in and do something. Else, if no one steps in, the Jews are all about to die. And so Mordecai says, Perhaps, you remember this passage too, it's Esther 4.12, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, right? Let's use that verse and that thought to just tweak it a little bit and say, maybe the people that you work with, maybe you work with them for a reason. The people that are your neighbors, maybe they are your neighbors for a reason. Could it be that You've come to your neighborhood or to your job for such a time as this to convince them that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he has standards, that if they were to fall short of those, they will be condemned for them. Souls are one of the things that we have in our hand. What are we doing with them? Are we being, are we using our time with our neighbors wisely. Time. Time's another one, right? But there are 168 hours in a week. What are you doing with those hours? You work probably 40 of them, right? If you're lazy, <laughs> you might work 40 of them. If you're like most people, you probably work 50, 60, 70 hours a week or plus, right? So we'll say you work 40 hours a week. If you sleep eight hours a night, you get 56 hours of sleep a week. I don't know about you, I don't get eight hours of sleep every night, but we'll, we'll run with that. So now you're already upwards of 100 hours, aren't you? Right at that mark, just working and sleeping. What do you do with the rest of your time? You ever thought about it like that? We, we, don't, we don't generally break up our, our week like that, do we? We don't think in those terms, but if you stop and think about the numbers just for a second, uh, the percentages are a bit out of whack because we're people who have been called to work, not at your job, but work in his kingdom, right? Um, we're called out of darkness and into his marvelous light, right? So it seems to me that a greater percentage of our time ought to be spent in the kingdom. Certainly... Some of this other stuff, entertainment, uh, if, you, if you spend 20 hours on entertainment a week, you're, you're, you're around entertainment about three hours a day. Does that sound about fair? Maybe. 
three hours of TV a night, right? Three hours of scrolling on Facebook. What's that gained us? What's that new show that you've been binge watching? What's that gained us? Every now and then I'll, I'll come across a new show uh, and I get, I get trapped in it, you know? You get that, that show, um, what's, what's it called, the show hole, right? You, you, that's all you can see, it's all you think about. And I get in that stuff too. And about halfway through the la- latest uh, show that I've been watching, it's been like six season, I'm, seasons, I'm about two and a half seasons in. And I started thinking, why has this gained me? I haven't read anything since I started watching this. I haven't, I haven't thought anything new since I've been watching this. This is, it's fun, it's interesting. I'm, I'm probably learning something historical about this, but kind of killing my time. So really, the question comes down to this last one. If, you're, if you've got 168, 168 hours a week, how much of that's devoted to the Lord's work? An hour on Sunday, maybe maybe three hours on Sunday, an hour maybe on Wednesday. That's four hours out of 168. I don't want you to feel guilty. Um, I just want you to look at the percentages and start thinking, maybe there's a better use of my time. Time's one of those things that once it's been spent, you've heard that before, right? Once it's been spent, you can't get it back. And I have never heard anyone toward the end of their life say, I wish I'd have watched that TV show. You know, that series, I really, I'm really sad I didn't get to watch that series. I wish I'd have seen more movies. I wish I'd have played more video games. You know what I hear people say? I wish I'd spent more time with family. Valid. Right? I wish I spent more time in God's word. I wish I spent more time around the church. I wish I'd have prayed more. Because right now, minutes before I head off into eternity, you know what's important? It's not entertainment, is it? It's how close was I with him? How well did I work in his kingdom? Time's one of those things we've got in our hands. Got to think how we're going to use it. We better use it well. Look at these verses uh, here in Romans chapter 13. Toward the the bottom of this screen, uh, if you can see them. There's a couple of verses I wanted to direct your attention to for just a minute. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. (coughs) Romans 13, 11 and 12, he says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. He says, some of us haven't been paying attention very good. We've been sleepwalking. He says, it's time to wake up. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. It's a beautiful speech, right? Paul's basically saying, you've slept long enough. It's time to get to work. The day's, the day's here. It's time to, to put our noses to the grindstone. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 5 as well. This, this is another verse that you know well. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 15 and 16. He says to these Ephesians, Look carefully then how you walk. Because we're all walking, right? We're all spending time, every single one of us, whether you're spending it foolishly or whether you're spending it wisely, we all walk. So Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. How do you do that? How, what's, the, what's the distinctive line between those who are wise and those who are unwise? Well, he tells you, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We need to make use, we need to make good use of our time. So what are you doing with your time? We work. That's a necessity, right? We all have jobs. It's fair. It's it's a necessity. We all got to sleep. 
whether how little you sleep or how, how much you sleep, we all got to sleep. You don't get away from that one either. Then you got about 60 hours left. What are you going to do with it? Think about it. I would say that this percentage for the Lord's work needs to go up a little bit. The, uh, the time we spend thinking and praying and working in His vineyard needs to go up a bit. So what else is in our hands? Well, talents are certainly in our hands, right? All of us are, are good at something. Um, let's just look at these, these couple here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not, not solid food. The writer of the Hebrews is encouraging with the strictest type of language. Um, he wants them to feel guilty. He wants to indict them. Uh, they need to be teachers. They're, they're, they've been in Christ too long now to just, to just sit in a pew. These people need to be teaching. Now, James gives you the other side of it, right? You remember what he says, of course. Not many of you should be teachers. Well, why not, James? Well, because we incur stricter judgment. How well do you know the Word? That's what James is saying. If you know the Word really, really well, then you're going to be judged like that. Judged based on how well you know the Word. And ignorance is not a just excuse. It's not something God's going to accept. So if you know the word and you're not teaching, why not? What's holding you back? Is it fear? Like what's holding you back? Not all of us should be, you can't have my job, I like it too much. <laughs> not all of us can be preachers, right? But all of us can and should be teachers. Um, and not just in our Bible school, although that's necessary too, but each one of us should be looking for, praying for, talking to our neighbors, encouraging them, um, breaking open the Bible with them. These, these things are necessary. Um, obviously, uh, our singing is a talent um, that all of us have. These things are not things that are outside your repertoire. You may not be a good singer. Exhibit A, right? You may not be, uh, you may not be able to carry a tune in a bucket, but it's something that he expects from us, um, and it's something that, through our joy, should spill out of our lips, right? Um, it, it's it's reasonable service. Uh, visiting. He says here in James 1, 26 to 27, uh, that pure and undefiled religion before the God and the Father is this, what? To visit the orphans and the widows in their time of distress. Uh, he's going to say later in the book of James, in chapter 5, that you ought to go visit the sick, right? That's not just the elder's job. That's not just my job. That's our job. When you were baptized into Christ, that's, that's the job description that, that was put into uh, was put in your hands. This is one of the things that you do. You don't just come to worship on uh, on Sunday and Wednesdays. You, 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 you do things. Your faith motivates you to move and to, to stretch and to grow and to do these things that love demands, doesn't it? I know this is not a lesson for you guys. I know this is the, the, I know the Sunday night crowd is the faithful crowd. You don't have to tell the Sunday morning crowd because I wanted to talk about Abraham this morning. <laughs> but I wanted to encourage you with this lesson. These are things that, that are in our hands, and, and what are we doing with them? Are, are we treating them frivolously? Are, are we taking them for granted? Um, do we overlook these, these things? or Are these things that we cherish and that we, we try hard in? Um, and we, we think about often, we pray about often. John chapter 9, verse 4, he talks about other works 
um, that, that we're supposed to be about. There's a great many things that the Christian has been called to do. Um, I don't know what Judgment Day is going to look like, but I wonder if he's not going to have a tally list of, you didn't, you say you love, but you, you didn't do this. He pictures that in, in um, Matthew chapter 25, doesn't he? Um, you say you love, but you didn't, you saw me hungry and you didn't give me food, and you saw me thirsty and you didn't give me drink, you saw me naked, but you didn't give me clothes, and there's no love there. It's a lip service, but there's no, there's no action pushing your faith. Your faith isn't motivating you to action. So what good is it? So there's, there's a lot of things that we can and should be about that help grow His kingdom. One of the things that we, we need to talk about before our time runs out is, is how we use our money. Um, this, this $100 is just a, um, a symbol, I suppose. You can put any number in there, but just for the sake of, of round numbers, uh, let's think about it like that. How much ever you spend on food, you say if you have $100 a week, again, I know it's more than that. Food is much more than that, isn't it? But uh, if, you had, if you spent $25 on food, now a quarter of your, your income is gone. You spend $20 on clothing, your mortgage is 20 bucks, and now 75% of your, um, of your money is gone. What do you do with the rest of it? What do you do with the rest of your money? These things are necessities, right? You've you got to have food. It's like sleep. You don't get to go very far or go very long without sleep. You don't get to go very far or very long without food uh, if you don't have shelter. <coughs> and that's another problem, right? If you don't have clothing, that's a problem. And so these things are necessities, but what, what do you do with the rest of your means? Maybe we spend a little bit on entertainment. That's fine. Don't, don't hear me saying you don't ever get to go to the movies. I'm saying priorities matter. And if we were to stop and put a budget on how we spend our money, go back and look at your budget and see where the Lord's work comes in. How much do you spend on this? Is it last? Is it the smallest category? Is it overlooked? Is it the stuff that um, is left over after you get done with all this stuff? Or is it first? And are you dreaming of more? What else can you do? Is there a time in which you phrase it like this. So the Old Testament had tithing, right? They were supposed to give 10%. 10% of everything. So if you had a, uh, uh, a dill pickle farm, I don't know why you would do that, but if you had one uh, and you had 100 acres, 10 of those acres were devoted to the Lord, right? Um, they, were, they were supposed to be given to Him. If under the old covenant, this, this is Bible, right? This is the book of Hebrews. If under the old covenant we were, were commanded to give 10%, shouldn't it be more than 10%? Shouldn't our consciences lead us to give more than 10% living under the better law, under the greater covenant of Jesus? Something to think about. We spend our money in, in a variety of ways. And it's one of those things, if you don't pay attention to it, you know what happens to it. It goes right out the door, right? You don't, you don't, even, you don't even know where it went. Like you start looking at your bank account and think, what in the world? I was sure there were more zeros in there. <laughs> but I ate at McDonald's and now it's all gone, right? It, it's one of those things that if we don't pay attention to it, that happens to it, doesn't it? What I'm saying is, is think about this. Plan for that. Dream for that. Call greatness out of your bank account. What's, what's the Lord capable of doing? Well, he can do whatever he wants, right? By our generosity or by our meekness. Whatever he wants. Giving to him is more about us than about him, right? When the Philippians gave to Paul in his mission efforts, um, apparently... So Paul founds the congregation in Philippi. 
uh, and then he's forced to leave, right? You remember the Philippian jailer, the stripes on Paul's back, he beat him um, because the, the city officials were um, against Paul and, and, uh, and his co-workers there. And so he's forced to leave Philippi. Right after he leaves Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica. Apparently the Philippian brethren sent him money in Thessalonica a couple of times. So he's there in Thessalonica for just a couple of months, but they're sending him money. And so eventually Paul says, uh, when he writes back to the Philippians, I'm grateful for your generosity. Man, it says an awful lot about your faith, that you're not dependent on this stuff, that you're not dependent on money. And I'm so proud of that. Oh, it says so much about your faith. Don't do that again. <laughs> don't, don't send me any more money. I'm full. I'm well supplied. I'm good. Um, but what he's interested in is not the, the dollar amount. He's interested in what it says about their faith, that they were able to give so sacrificially. It's, it's the story of Jesus sitting there in the temple watching the widow come by. All these rich people have come through, and they dropped, we'll, we'll say, thousands of dollars in, in the bucket. The widow comes by, and do you remember what she gave? She gave the widow's mites, the smallest coin um, in circulation in Jesus' day. And, it, and it's like half of a penny in our, uh, in our uh, currency. And so she gives this tiny amount. But remember what Jesus said about her? She's given more than anybody else. Well, not literally, but it meant more to her. It showed her dependence on God more than the Pharisees dropping in their thousands. Because there wasn't anything for them. That was the leftovers. But for this woman, it was all she had. That's what he's looking for. He doesn't care anything about money. He cares about your dependence on him. These things are things that are in our hands. So what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 is a good place for us to stop, I suppose. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, and I'll leave you with this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That's the day every single one of us are going to meet, right? Every single one of us are going to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account for how we acted and what we did with the things that were in our hand. Moses had absolutely everything he needed to do what God wanted him to do, and it was right in his hand. You've got absolutely everything you need to accomplish God's will, and it's right in your hand. What are you doing with it? That's the, that's the question God's going to ask us, I think, when we get to the day of judgment. What would you do with what I gave you? So this morning, or this evening, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that's the very first step. You've got to get inside of Christ to have your sins washed away, to put him on in baptism, to be cleansed. There's power we sing that song sometimes, don't we? There's power in his blood. It really is. It's, in fact, the only place there's power located. To bring us into relationship with him, to have our sins washed away, to have, to have us reconciled back to him, it's only through the power of his blood and the act of baptism. Tonight, maybe you've already made that decision, and you need the prayers of this congregation to be everything that God would have you to be. We want to help you in any way we can. If you want to come tonight, we want to pray for you and with you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. Why don't you come as we stand and sing? Yeah, I need to move this.
Good evening, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder that the Valentine's Day boxes for our college students will be mailed on Monday. Um, also, uh, there's a sign-up sheet for CYC snacks. If you can bring snacks for that, please sign up before you leave. Also, this coming Sunday, February 18th, uh, Life Group 3, this is Jeremy's Life Group, will be hosting Share Your Love meal uh, after Sunday morning service. This is for our widows and widowers and also uh, those that are single. Also, Young at Heart will be meeting next Tuesday at 1030. The destination is Crackle Barrel. Also, March 15th and 16th <coughs> is a men's retreat. And the ladies' class will be meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m. They'll be going over lesson three. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus, Jim Martin, and Jackie Hutchison, and Jim Haney in your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments. Continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well as she undergoes her test. Uh, keep James Large in your prayers at this time. He has upcoming tests this week. Um, also, um, Brian Brunty, uh, we asked for prayers on Wednesday for him. Uh, he's related to the Thompsons. He had an accident with a firearm. Um, he almost lost his life. Um, he's having surgery tomorrow, so keep um, Brian in your prayers that uh, the surgery goes successful. Um, that, and that's all the announcements I have. If you have not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Last song is uh, Ring Out the Message, 833. And we'll sing just the first verse, and then Gary will have our closing prayer. There's a message Bow with me, please. Father in heaven, we, we come to you this evening thankful for this day that we've had, Father, that, that we could gather together uh, this morning and this evening with uh, brothers and sisters, Father, and study your word and, and, Father, fellowship with one another. And, Father, it's just good to, to be around uh, 
people that have the same things in common, Father, and we appreciate that time, and we just ask that we never take that for granted, and we're mindful, Lord, of those uh, who aren't able to be here because of their health, and, and we pray for those uh, who are not here because they choose not to be. Father, we do thank you for all that we have, all that you bless us with, and and Father, those uh, names that have been mentioned here today, Father, with uh, sickness problems, health problems, uh, we just ask, Father, that you will bless them and, and be with them and be with us this week. Father, help us to always be examples to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.